Now, you all have permission to laugh during this sermon, especially when it offends you. In a casino, they don't want you to know what time it is. They don't want you to know if it is daylight or dark, raining or sunny. In a casino, they want you doing one thing, spending your money. Now, I've been in a few casinos over the years. Every state seems to have them now. And all casinos feature the same strange mix of thrill and desperation. They all promise huge wins and deliver diminishing returns. Casinos can ruin lives. So why do we go to them? Why are they so tempting? Why do I get a little jolt whenever I see a roadside billboard pointing the way to a casino? Simple biology may be part of the answer. We humans are addictive creatures. We tend to believe most of what we are told, especially if it seems to confirm our biases. We like to think that we will beat the odds and we will win this time. Casinos are good at listing the names and faces of their big winners at their entrances. The message is, you too could go home today with $10,000, just like Edna Mae Johnson of Marshfield. And we believe them. When I'm sitting at a slot machine, the oddest thing comes over me. Outside the casino, I am very careful with my money. I shop deliberately, I save well, I live within my means. Inside the casino... I lose all good sense. It doesn't matter how much I walk in with, $100, $200, $300, I am guaranteed to walk out with zero. Because that's how a casino works. Take your average slot machine, for instance. This one-armed bandit is cunningly programmed to take all of your money while letting you think that you are winning. Say you are betting a dollar every time. After a bet or two, the machine will reward you with a taste, usually about $20 or so. Then it starts to take that $20 back, bet after bet, along with the original $20 you put into it. Sure, it gives you $5 here and $3 there, but it is designed to never let you get ahead. Will this particular slot machine pay off big? Sure, maybe once a year. Am I going to be sitting at it when it pays off big? Probably not. Yet every time the lights blink and the noises ring, I hit repeat bet, repeat bet. It doesn't matter if I'm down to my last $10, I'm going to hit repeat bet over and over until the money is all gone because I might just win big this time. This is how addiction works. 
Whether it's alcohol or drugs, sex or gambling, cell phones or Facebook, we tell ourselves we don't have a problem. We tell ourselves we can quit any time. We tell ourselves it is just harmless fun. We tell ourselves that we are not as bad off as other people. And yet, we trigger the dopamine receptors in our brains in such an endless variety of ways that addiction feels like a whole cloud of harmless stimuli, not something that happens to the junkie. And too often, before we know it, we are the junkie. We are the one who is hooked. And with addiction, we often ruin things. Relationships, our careers, our health, our financial futures, before we actually get clean and sober. Often we are incapable of stopping ourselves until it is too late. Granted, some drugs are more harmful than others, but addiction is addiction. It will control us when we are no longer able to control ourselves. I will confess to a current addiction that hasn't made my list yet. Like some of you, I am currently addicted to politics. We are all participants in a real, live, reality TV show set in Washington, D.C. Our president is brilliant at getting television ratings, absolutely brilliant. He knows how to keep the nation talking about him and him alone. He is a master of diversion, willing to say anything, anywhere, We are transfixed by his magic. 100% of Americans are in his thrall, half for their love or fear of him, and the other half for their loathing of him. The president is the most effective slot machine ever created. (laughs) Whether we love him or hate him, we will sit there and press the button over and over again because it makes us feel something. Every tweet, every press conference, every campaign-style rally, every gaffe, every pouty look, every necktie tied too long rewards us. Like a good slot machine, he doles out the meager wins while taking the whole nation to the cleaners. I understand completely why so many people love him. He promises exactly what a casino promises, the chance at winning big. The same thing that makes us think that we could win $20,000 in one hit at a slot machine tells us the president could make us rich too. For instance, my family members strongly oppose the estate tax on money inherited over $11 million. So understand this. There's no tax on the first $11 million that you inherit, just a tax on anything over the first $11 million that you inherit. They oppose this tax because they imagine that they too might inherit this much money someday And they wouldn't want it to be taxed. I mean, who would, really? (laughs) The fact 
that no one in my family has any money <laughs> to leave to anyone else is immaterial. That it might happen is enough to oppose this tax. Like a slot machine, the president offers us all greedy hope. He lives like a gambler. Now he's up, now he's down. It's thrilling. I completely understand why so many people admire him. Forgetting that he didn't make his own money himself, they see him as somebody who wins. This go big or go home mentality makes people hang in there with him until they have lost everything. And just like we don't blame the casino when we lose our money there, we mostly don't blame the president when he pulls the rug out from under us. We just say, win some, lose some, and go back for more. Recently, I had to cut back on my political television watching. It was getting out of hand. I like MSNBC because it confirms every single bias that I have. <laughs> when I watch Nicole Wallace on Dateline White House or Chuck Todd on Meet the Press, I am comforted that smart, reasonable people see clearly the kind of mess that we are in and how to get out of it. When Chris Hayes brings a nerdy approach or Chris Matthews lambasts the president, I feel really satisfied. And my ability to swoon over Rachel Maddow like a schoolboy is embarrassing. If I wanted to, I could watch talking heads take apart this presidency piece by piece from 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. Monday through Friday. Occasionally, I jump over to Fox News for a peek, but I never stay very long. Fox News is like one of those boring slot machines that just has numbers and symbols. I don't like its interface. It, it jolts me the wrong way. The pleasure I seek sees the world like I do. I really don't care that other people disagree with me because I'm not binging on political talk shows to learn something. I'm there to get my fix. Though I'm trying to cut back on MSNBC, it is hard. There is breaking news every moment of every day. <laughs> I think, well, well, maybe I'll just watch the news hour on PBS. Because, you know, nobody yells on the news hour. And that's kind of refreshing, right? But there I am, sneaking back to Andrea Mitchell for just another peek. And then there's Twitter and Facebook. The president is currently tweeting at an average of 30 tweets a day. Between October 15th and November 15th, he tweeted 995 times. Somebody counted. 
The White House is tweeting, Nancy Pelosi is tweeting, Chuck Schumer is tweeting, Mitch McConnell is tweeting, and anyone who has ever had anything to say about any of these people is tweeting. The Twitterverse is a veritable opium den of opinion. <laughs> down, down, down the rabbit hole we go. And meanwhile, children are still in cages at the border. Meanwhile, the gutting of the EPA further threatens the planet. Meanwhile, many people have to work harder and harder to learn earn less and less. Meanwhile, California burns. Meanwhile, teenagers still get shot at school. Remember, the casino doesn't want you to know what time it is. They don't want you to know if it's daylight or dark, raining or sunny. In the casino, they want you doing one thing, spending your money. More than 2,400 years ago, the Jewish author of Ecclesiastes wrote, I've seen it all in my brief and pointless life. Here, a good person cut down in the middle of doing good. There, a bad person living a long life of sheer evil. So don't knock yourself out being good, the writer says, and don't go overboard being wise. Believe me, you won't get anything out of it. But don't press your luck in being bad, either. And don't be reckless. Why die needlessly? It is best to stay in touch with both sides of an issue. A reasonable person deals responsibly with all of reality, not just a piece of it. This ancient wisdom is right. Extremes in life cause problems. Being too much on one side of any issue blinds us to the full picture. But this is not the advice we usually want to hear. We want to be told that we are right. We want our worldview confirmed. And here is where addiction lies. For how could we be completely right anyway? How could we know the full scope of things? How could we have it all figured out? That is just our prejudice talking. What if we took a step back from our certainty? What if we took a longer view of history and put our energy toward that? Our nation's democracy has a sensible system of checks and balances Ultimately, voters get to choose. Sure, politics can be a dirty game, but democracy is much better than the alternatives. And democracy means losing sometimes. I'm surprised how little appetite I have for the current impeachment inquiry. Personally speaking, I want a change of occupancy in the White House as much as anyone but I really don't want it at any cost. If coping with this reckless president to the end of his term means that Republicans and Democrats can start talking to each other again, I can stand it. 
if enabling his binge lying and grandstanding means an honest and fair election next November, I can stand it. If ignoring the tweets and the tantrums means that we can focus on the real issues our nation faces, I can stand it. Goodness knows this country has had miserable presidencies before, and we will likely have them again in the future. Things in America are bad, and things in America have been much worse than they are today. You and I have some small role to play in the future, and we can end our addiction to politics. What might the next year look like for all of us if we decided not to let ourselves be upset by politics? How might our own mental health improve if we watched less television and had more fun? A friend of mine says, It's not losing at the casino that is dangerous. It's winning. What he means is, it's easier to walk out of a casino and not come back if you've lost all your money. If you've won money, you will most assuredly come back to the casino. You will come back over and over again trying to repeat the win. You will sink all of your winnings and more into trying to win again. This is how addiction works. We are always trying to repeat the high. I don't know what will happen after the election next November. Things might change. Things might stay the same. What I do know is that I don't need to be controlled by the outcome. There are good things to do here and now, and there will be good things to do then. If you and I can walk away from the slot machine that currently has us enthralled, it won't matter if it is daylight or dark, raining or sunny, when we walk out of the casino. When we walk out, we will be out for good. He will lose his power over us, and we will be free. May that day arrive soon for each of us. So be it. Amen.